Welcome to the next edition of the world famous Cheeky Jaguar radio broadcast. We are live as live can get on 50 plus AM FM stations across the country and around the world. iHeartRadio as well. We are going to call our first guest, Dr. Jack Caravelli, the biggest star in the business. And uh, we're going to get him on here with us. And then we're going to call our Skypers. We'll call the Skypey Skypers. Get them Skypers in here. Where's the Skypers? Gotta get them Skypers. Oop. No Dr. Jack Caravelli. Well, let's do this. Let's call the fantastic Dan Perkins. The big star, Dan Perkins. The big star, Dan Perkins. There he is. We are going to call him. We are going to do the free call on Skype. And then we are going to get a hold of IQ. Let's try Dr. Jack again. Let's do this. I want to call Dr. Jack again. Let's call Dr. Jack Caravelli, the biggest star in the business. The biggest star in the business, as they say. Who's the biggest star in the business? He's the biggest star in the business. Dr. Jack Caravelli. Let's call him. Then we'll get Dan Perkins. In. Dan Perkins. Okay, well, I guess we will call Dan and IQ, and we'll just go from there. We will just go from there and see what happens. And I believe there's IQ. IQ, can you hear me, my friend? I can hear you. Can you hear me? Yes, I've got you. And I think uh, Dan is going to be joining us here in just a few moments as well. So hopefully uh, we will get him in here. So um, how was your, um, I guess, sabbatical that you were on there for <laughs> a few weeks, IQ? It was fantastic. It really was, honestly. Thank you very much. But I'm glad back to the show. Yes, yes, and we are, and we are glad to have you here, my friend. Because uh, uh, you, you, yeah, you today. Well, we are we're trying to get a hold of Doctor Jack Caravelli, and uh, I am also trying to get a hold of Dan Perkins. So we are going to see if we can get both of them 
in here and see uh, just what the heck is going on in the uh, in the news around us. And uh, I'm I'm glad you're you're safe and sound, and I'm glad you're uh, you're back with us here, IQ. So. Thank you, thank you very much. We have uh, really a lot to talk about with John Bolton. Yes, yes. Uh, well, kind kind of kick us off there. What uh, talk to us a little bit about that? While I try to get Dan and uh, and uh, Doctor Jack in here. Uh, well, what I'm worried about is the behavior of, John, of Donald Trump, really. I'm really getting worried now. I mean, if he wants to get rid of John Bolton, do it in an amicable way. You don't do it on Twitter. It's demeaning and disgusting. I honestly believe that. I've never criticized Donald Trump as I'm doing it now. Now, why, why do you think he, he did, did that so publicly? Because I think he's reverting as if he is now in The Apprentice. But these people, I mean it honestly, but John Bolton is not a little child. He's not a little girl. He's not a young girl. He has dedicated himself for a long, long time to protect America. He's a professional guy. You don't agree with him? Fine. Hey, thank you for your service. Goodbye and God bless you. Perfect. But he didn't do that. He's behaving in a very unprofessional manner in the latest few times. I'm worried about him. Honestly, I'm worried about him. Now, uh, what, 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 what do you think is going to happen now that John Bolton is uh, kind of out of the mix? No idea. But, I mean, look, if John Bolton is out, maybe Pompeo is next. Maybe Ivanka is next. It's becoming really unhinged behavior. I'm sorry. You know, I'm... I'm I'm worried because if he behaves, continues behaving like this, the probability of him being elected again is zero. It, although all his opponents are beneath contempt, all of them completely beneath contempt, they have no clue, they have no, they have no decency at all. I mean, I'm comparing what they used to say about the borders before Donald Trump. That was years ago. They all agreed they should have border uh, protection. They all agreed about immigration before Trump. But the minute Trump came into the picture, now they're against him. So what I'm getting at, although I'm criticizing Donald Trump, his opponents are beneath contempt. They have no rational thinking. This green era, this green idea, uh, stopping flights, stopping uh, cows, killing cows, good God, I mean, what kind of, they're not rational human beings. The people who are talking like this are going to destroy America. Correct me if I'm wrong. No, 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 no. I, I completely agree with you. We have got uh, IQ Al-Rizzoli with us today. We are attempting to get Dan Perkins on. I, I talked to Dan about an hour ago and weren't able to, uh, haven't been able to get Dan on. We're also uh, trying to get Dr. Jack Caravelli as well on Skype today and uh, haven't been able to get them or get them either. But uh, we'll continue on here with... Uh, we continue together. Yes, we'll, we'll, we'll continue on here with IQ Rizzoli. And um, so so IQ, besides the John Bolton situation, what, 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 what else is there out there that you want to discuss? Look, the economy is doing very, very well, according to all the reports. Not only the Dow Jones have recovered from the collapse it 
it's received two weeks ago or three weeks ago. It recovered in no time, honestly, in no time it recovered. Uh, all, the, all the indications are America is doing very well under Trump. And in spite of all the 95% negative attacks on Donald Trump for the last three years, he has done an incredible job. But recently, I don't know what kind of advisors does he want. I mean, if he doesn't appreciate the advice of his advisors, why have advisors? If, if he's self-contained, why need advisors? I have no idea. But the, the, the most dangerous thing that we have at the moment is Iran. The greatest threat to humanity today is Islam. I'm not going to change my mind about it because I know the reality. Number one enemy of a humanity who is not Muslim, which is 80% of humanity today, are Muslims. Why? Because the Quran prohibits Muslims, prohibits, completely and utterly prohibits Muslims from ever associating with kuffar infidels, non-Muslims. 100 verses in the Quran forbid Muslims from ever associating with non-Muslims. It forbids Muslims from ever honoring any contract signed with infidels. So, Trump wants to make a negotiation with Taliban. Waste of time. Leave Afghanistan. Let Afghanistan fall to the Taliban. It doesn't make any difference. Why should American lives be lost on a document that no Muslim will ever honor? The same thing with the Iran. They agreed on terms and conditions with Obama. But Obama was a Muslim. Obama was a Muslim. Obama is a Muslim. He surrendered America to the Muslims. No question. In my mind, no. Can I prove it? Of course I can prove it. I said it many times on your show and other shows. Before he was elected, he made two major incredible mistakes. It's called Freudian slips of the tongue. And I repeat them again today. When George Stephanopoulos was asking him about his uh, opponent, it was uh, McCain, he said, in public is on YouTube. I am so glad that John McCain has not addressed my Islamic faith. George said Christian. So he corrected himself as Obama. He said Christian. Not true. In another case, he was telling his supporters, I have been to 57 states and more to go. Well, you know, in America there are not 57 states, there are 50. Why did he say 57? Because there are 57 Muslim majority states in the United Nations. Am I exaggerating? The answer is no. It's on YouTube. Double check it. Anybody can check it. Anybody can check it. So, from that point of view, that's why he gave $150 billion to the terrorist regime of the, uh, Iran the Ayatollahs, and I think it was one and a half billion in cash. I mean, why would he do that? Why would any rational leader in the United States of America give the enemies, the, the not only enemies, the declared enemies who wish death and destruction upon America since 1979 when Khomeini took over? Why would he do that?
unless he supports Islam, which he did, and he does. America should leave Afghanistan. They, not, they shouldn't leave Iraq because it's too near to most of the items which are re relevant to America. But Afghanistan was never, never subjugated by anybody. The British did it, tried to do it in the 19th century, failed. The Russians in 20th century, failed. America, 20th and 21st century, failed. You can't win in Afghanistan. Why? It's Islamic. They are dedicated to the destruction of the infidels. And all those governments in Muslim countries, they speak about democracy, they haven't got a single country. There are 57 Muslim-majority states in the world, not one of them is a function of democracy. Not one. Uh, Turkey used to be a secular democracy, but Erdogan, an avowed Sharia-compliant Muslim, turned completely Turkey from being secular to being Sharia-compliant. Hence, it's the enemy of America. Turkey should not be in Europe. Turkey should not be in NATO. The only way to save Western civilization is to quarantine Islam. What do I mean by quarantine Islam? No Muslim, no a single Muslim should exist in any country outside Darul Islam. That means outside the lands of the Muslims. They should be given a choice. You want Sharia, you leave my country. Sharia should be prohibited in all Western democracies. Why? Simple. Sharia is the nemesis of everything to do with Western civilization. Sharia is the enemy of Christianity. Sharia is the enemy of Buddhism. Sharia is the enemy of Hinduism. Sharia is the enemy of anybody who does not believe in Islam. Muhammadan style. 80% of humanity. Again, I always repeat. I offer $200,000 to the first human being who can prove anything I say is wrong or untrue. You know, 10 years, 12 years later, I haven't had a single human being prove me wrong. The reason is simple. I don't say anything false. I don't have to. I quote in chapter and verse from Muhammad's Quran, from the Hadith, from the traditions, which are the foundations of Sharia. We have got IQ Al Rizzoli with us today. He joins us live here on our big program. We are going to attempt here to try to get Dan Perkins on again. And uh, Dan, uh, are you there, my friend? Can you hear us? I am. Yes, there we I are. Feel. Okay, we've finally been able to make a connection here with Dan. And uh, now, uh, IQ touched on John Bolton earlier. Uh, what, what, what do you have to, to say about the John Bolton situation? Well, you know, he, uh, if you believe what, um, what the news people are saying is that he, uh, he had a conflict with Mr. Trump over uh, Iran and Afghanistan. And um, he probably was more hawkish than perhaps Donald Trump wanted to be. And I think uh, he went too far and um, forgot that Donald Trump is the president of the United States and he serves the president. And so he lost his job. And Trump, <laughs> Trump's, Trump's going to be looking for a new uh, national security advisor. But that's that's his prerogative. 
Now, uh, IQ, what, what do you make of Dan's comments there? Well, Dan is very forgiving. I'm not as forgiving as Dan. <laughs> I, I accept that John Bolton could have gone overboard, whatever it is, but you don't do it on Twitter. That's disgusting. He is a national security advisor who was chosen by Trump. He was complimented by Trump from here to eternity. Against all his opponents in the Democrat Party. And now his opponents in the Democrat Party. Correct. Disagree with him. Tell him, John, sorry. You want to be with me or do you want to resign? Resign. No problem. But do it in a nice way. That's what I believe. Okay. Uh, what the news media will tell you later on, what the unconfirmed reports will come out. My God, you're going to have a field day for the next two weeks. All lies. Everything is a lie. Everything in the news media is a lie. It's sickening, disgusting, but unfortunately it is the reality today in Western so-called democracies. What do you think, Dan? Well, I, I think that the, um, the idea that um, I'm too nice is a, is a little offensive, IQ. I always never consider myself to be politically correct, but you're, you're entitled to your opinion. As it relates to what, what, what should somebody do, um, Mr. Bolton... I believe served a very valid purpose in the two years that he was National Security Advisor to the President. Uh, I have no doubt that he was giving the President advice on what to do with China, what to do with North Korea, what to do with Iran, and what to do with the Taliban and everybody else. Um, and I think that um, that it was important for the President to hear a different perspective but more important than that IQ I think it was important for the Republicans in the cabinet to hear from John Bolton um, if nothing more from the shock value uh, to, to try and wake up people to understand uh, I do also think that the president has pretty much always been um, a believer that we don't have to put we shouldn't have to put American lives at stake in other parts of the world, especially in those parts of the world where they don't really care for us. Uh, I think that it's it would be an impossible stretch for anybody to say, well, the Taliban really did like us. No, they don't. They don't like us. And um, by the same token, one of the things that has changed more dramatically that, that doesn't get a lot of play but it has changed the world has changed because of the energy independence of the United States we are no longer dependent as the largest economy in the world who at one time was importing 65% of its energy needs from the Middle East we no longer need any of it and so what happens is that the countries that were gaining tremendous wealth and 
influenced because of the price of crude oil, uh, now find themselves on the er on the verge of bankruptcy. Um, and so, and and bankruptcy not only in terms of financially, but bankruptcy in terms of their political power, political influence around the world, and um, and even the the OPEC ministers are meeting this week, and and the Saudi new Saudi uh, oil minister is basically saying, you know, there's not a whole heck of a lot we can do when it looks like that the the um, the change in consumption of oil is not going to be very much because the economies of the world are slowing down and the biggest customers for Middle Eastern oil, their economies are slowing down, meaning China and India. And so uh, that influence is not there. They don't have the money to support their people. People get angrier and angrier. We see what's happening with the protest in Iran. Um, and so that, that the... We, we don't give enough credit to how dramatically things have changed in the world because America is no longer importing oil from the Middle East. Doesn't mean we don't have a security interest there, but we don't have an economic interest in there anymore. And, um, and so we, we, we want to do something about the, the balance of power in the Middle East in the battle that's taking place between the Shias and the Sunnis between Iran and Saudi Arabia. But um, that's not something that we can do that much about. But it's it's there. And so when you look at Afghanistan and you look at Iraq and Iran and, and Syria and all these other countries, our need to be there diminishes. The only risk is that we've got to make sure that Iran never gets a nuclear capability. As long as they don't get a nuclear capability, they're not going to be a substantial threat to the United States. One thing I must make clear, no intention to disrespect you. When I said you are being uh, nice, that's not dis disrespect, it's just an opinion. But we agree at least on everything else practically, that America should not be in Afghanistan. No question about it in my mind. Mm -hmm. Of one single American, is worth maybe 10,000 to 100,000 Muslims in Afghanistan, as far as I'm concerned. 100,000 Muslims, 100% correct. They shouldn't be there. They should leave, get it over with. If they fall to the Taliban, they're going to fall to the Taliban anyway. is dominating Islam now in almost every single Muslim country today. Sharia is dominating. The other thing that we have to we agree upon is Iran. It's, yes, nuclear. But who is going to stop? Well, why? Why hasn't America declared, for example, the Muslim Brotherhood is a terrorist organization? Why is CAIR, C A I R, the Council of American Islamic Relations, still functioning in America, prohibiting? and literally stopping anybody from associating Islam with terror, even in Homeland Security, the FBI and the police, even today under uh, Donald Trump. It doesn't make sense to me. It really doesn't make sense to me. What do you think? I agree, I agree with you. I, I totally agree with you that it doesn't make sense that we have all of these quasi-terrorist, if not really terrorist organizations that are allowed to openly function in the United States. Uh, but I do believe, and I've said this 
many times, and you may disagree with me, IQ, uh, I think that, by and large, American politicians of either party are physically afraid of Muslims, the radicals, because, and I, I, I used this example several weeks ago, when President Obama had to come in from his round of golf to tell the, the United States and the world that American reporter had been beheaded, it was a seminal moment that changed, I believe, that changed the world. Because up until that time, the Democratic Party favored minority was blacks. And they had spent 40 years serving and trying to, uh, to get the blacks to support democratic philosophy. But when that reporter was killed, when he was beheaded, it was, there were two messages. One to the politicians and one to the news media. And we see, honestly, IQ, we see the manifestation of the warning that was sent to the news media and the politicians by what has happened by the two women from Minnesota and Michigan and the amount of influence and press time they have gotten in the first eight months of their position in Congress. We saw when the Congress tried to decide what to do about Omar's anti-Semitic remarks, they could not bring themselves to create censure for her. I'm telling you that the the, the both parties have a fear, a physical life fear of crossing Muslims, and so does the news media in the United States. If this is true, can you imagine when you have 3% of the population Muslim and you are afraid of them? What will happen when you have 10%? They are 10%. I, I, I see what's happening in France with a little less than 10% of the total population of France. So how can you just, I mean, I, I don't understand how it is justified. This word afraid, it makes me sick. Can you? Are you saying you don't understand why they're afraid, IQ? Is that what you're saying? Yes, yes. How is it possible that we have the military power to completely annihilate and destroy our enemies, and we are afraid of them? That I can't understand. Sorry. Well, uh, I, I understand why it's hard to understand, but if you understand that the Democratic Party for 50 years has been the party of victims, Correct. identifying individuals with various classes of people, black, red, brown, yellow, gay, lesbian, transsexual, whatever they are, that the Democratic Party has been the party that supposedly suspected has supported has supported victims' rights, and up until the time that, that the reporter was killed, Muslims were not on the radar. And I, I take your thing and say, look, if we have the first two women Muslims elected to the United States Congress. Two out of 435, look at the amount of press time these two women have gotten. I, I don't think you have to get to 3% IQ. I, I think you could do much less than that where they're going to have a tremendous amount of, of exposure and 
as a result, a tremendous amount of influence. But Dan, it is inconceivable, as far as I'm concerned. I've been with your show for a long time, with James and you. I've been with longer time with other shows for the last 12 years. It is inconceivable that 400 plus men and women in Congress. Now, I don't mind if we take 50% of them who are Democrat, because they're brain dead anyway. But what about the ones who are Republican? How is it conceivable that one of them can stand up and say, in plain English, that they swore on the Quran, the nemesis of the American Constitution? That's impossible, please. I mean, can, you, can anybody prove me wrong? The answer is no. Can anybody prove anything I say about Islam as wrong? The answer is no. Why? Because I speak, not only do I speak Arabic, but I read in English the Quran. I read it in French also. Not only in English and French, but Arabic also. It says exactly the same thing in every language. In 70 languages, in 80 languages, the same. Every Muslim is automatically the eternal and mortal enemy of every human being on the planet without a Muslim. Can anybody show you? I would go I would I would go back to Jim and I would say, Jim, do you think what I'm saying has merit or am I off the deep end? I uh I I can see that he can be off the deep end, but I can also see that it's got merit, so No, it's scary, honestly, James. It's scary. I'm trying my best. I've been trying my best for 30 years, not only to educate myself, but to teach other people. In the last 12 years, I've been on radio talk shows over 1,500 in America. It is impossible not to... I can't comprehend it. Really, I can't. That idea... But IQ, let me, let me help you there. Let me help you. Yes, yeah, please, please. Um, let, let me let me suggest to you, Jim. If you if you disagree, you can jump in, or if you agree, you can jump in. Now, let's just let's just take what you just talked about. Right now, in the United States, there are over fourteen thousand radio stations, fourteen thousand AM, FM radio stations in the United States. Now, Jim's program is on fifties. 60 stations, is that right, Jim? Yep, we're on about 50-plus AM, FM stations. Okay, so 50 stations out of 14,000. Now, I would say to you that to suggest that maybe 10% of the 14,000 radio stations in the United States uh, are conservative talk. The rest are something else. And so when we look at it from the standpoint we have an opinion. You have an opinion. I have an opinion. Jim has an opinion. But I don't think we understand to what extent we are in a, an incredibly small minority. And because we think and we talk to each other and we think about things in a similar vein, we have a situation where in reality we're very small. And so when you say, I don't understand... I would say to you, you, you're you're missing the point of the the power of the mainstream media 
which has for over three years, whenever it does a story about Donald Trump, it's 93% negative, according to a most recent Harvard study. So if the mainstream media dominates where people hear stuff or don't hear stuff, then uh, we are we are cries in the wilderness and we do the best we can. But the vast majority, it's like I, I, I give you an example that I gave to a bunch of people in, in interviews over the last couple of weeks. Look at what happened when the Democrats decided they were going to bring Mueller to testify before the House committees. I said before he walked up there, a week or two before, that it was a, a an insane thing to do. Why? Because by bringing him before those two committees in Congress, while the Republicans were in a minority, the Republicans were going to go after him, and he was going to wind up being ineffective. And it turns out exactly what I said. But the Democrats were so enamored with what they believe Mueller might be able to do. They were so arrogant, IQ, they didn't even bother to vet him, to ask him any questions, to talk to him before he walked in there to see what kind of a witness he was going to be. In hindsight, after it was done, the Republicans won, the Democrats lost. But what was more important about that IQ is that for the first time, tens of millions of Americans were hearing things from the Republicans that they had never heard before because they were listening primarily to the major networks, major cable, and major newspapers. So many of the things that were brought out by the Democrats never got to the light of day, but the things that brought out the Republicans brought out to question Mr. Mueller created a situation where information was given to the American people. And what happened after the Americans got some balanced information? Mr. Trump's approval rating went up. So I, I think that we have to understand just how powerful and influential, as much as we'd like to say it's not, these major market radio and television and newspapers are in formulating American opinion. An example, IQ, the Democrats have been trying to talk down the economy into a, that we're in a recession. And the news media supported it and just ran it and ran it and ran it. And then after three weeks of talking about recession, 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 the news, the Democratic news pollers went out and found that 60% of the Americans were concerned about it recession. Why? Because they got their news from the news networks and the newspapers and the radios that talked about the Democratic position of we're in going to go into recession. So that they have the ability to influence the American people because they don't really see the other side of the story. That's why I, I, I've said about the Democratic uh, candidates. How stupid can they be? If you look at all the things, if you watched any of the Democratic debates, and any of the Democratic discussions, you quit. You say to yourself, have they not figured out the number of commercials that are going to be run from the stupid things that they're saying about what they want to do when the president gets into into the, full, into the campaign uh, a year from now? That no matter who the candidate is, all this stupidity by the Democrats are going to be used, including 
the squad. And so I think this will be the first time in many cases where the vast majority of the American people will have heard the other side of the story. And I believe that the outcome is going to be devastation on the part of the Democratic Party. Question. There was a dip, a serious fall in the Dow Jones while I was on holiday. And within seven, eight days, it was completely obliterated with nothing. Yes. So in spite of all the propaganda against Trump, in spite of all the propaganda of scaremongering that recession was coming, it still rebounded. Yes. And, and let me, I, I can address that for you because I'm still managing money. Um, I, I was in working for the Merrill Lynch office, working in the Merrill Lynch office, managing money in, in, in uh, the mid to late 1970s. And I saw the largest correction in the history of the American markets, um, where the, the markets dropped 22% of its value, lost almost a quarter of its entire value in three days. Now, if we look at the 800-point drop out of a 26,000 Dow, 800 points, not a big deal. So what the, the, the media said, the media was saying, wow, 800 points in one day, the biggest drop this year. They didn't talk about the biggest drop in the history of the markets because it wasn't. They played on the number of an 800-point drop to try and create fear. Well, the people that were smart, who understood the markets, and saw what the Democrats were doing in trying to talk down the market by talking up recession and the economy, what ultimately happened, those people, myself included, went in and bought on that. And now we're, we're approaching new all-time highs. So that the Democrats are trying to talk down the markets, talk down the economy, but ultimately what's happening, the economy is strong, unemployment is at 3.7%, we've got uh, more people working in this country than we ever had before, period, and uh, the consumer who's continuing to spend is 70% of this economy, and they're healthy. So I just don't see that there's going to be a recession, and by the way, IQ, the, the, the true classic description of a recession is two consecutive quarters of negative GDP. Well, let's do a little counting. We have approximately 14 months until the presidential election or less. Now, it takes three months for a quarter, so we have approximately four quarters left. In, in that four quarters, we have to take the economy from somewhere between two and three to two and a half percent positive growth in GDP to take it all back and be negative for two consecutive quarters to have a recession. I don't know what the future is going to hold, but I don't believe that the economics involved is going to cause that to happen. So as a result, we're not going to have a recession and uh, the Democrats are going to be wrong again. The Democrats don't really care about being right, IQ. They care more about creating a message that they can run with to scare the American people. Because that's all they have is scare tactics. They don't have anything positive to say. They're talking about taking, pro putting programs in place that the cost of those programs at a basic fundamental basis 
would be greater than 100% of the existing national debt of the United States. And so I, I, I do believe that the American people, when you hear free, are going to ask the question, and they're probably already asking the question, how are we going to pay for it? Bernie Sanders said that his health care plan is going to have to dramatically increase the taxes on the American people, middle class. And I'm saying to you, IQ, if you walk down the street and you tech, you just randomly select 10 Americans and you and ask them first question, are you working? Yes. Do you want your income taxes to go up to pay for health care for illegals coming into the United States? You're going to get eight to nine out of the 10 say absolutely not. God willing. Your figures are correct in the sense of rational behavior. Mm -hmm. you're, from your point of view, the way, the way you talk, you, you know this subject very well. And I agree with you. From rational point of view, 70 to 80 percent of black Americans and Hispanic Americans should support Donald Trump. Right. Because they've had it so good. They've never had it so good. I mean, right. from a rational point of view, if I'm doing well because of Trump, why would I elect? The enemy of Trump who would destroy me. I wouldn't. So I, I don't think that there's there's nobody. I don't know whether you heard this, Jim, today on IQ. There were about a dozen organizations who were in favor of impeachment for Donald Trump. And today was the day for national protest in support of impeachment for Donald Trump. There were twelve organizations. Okay. And the focal point of the demonstrations was to be in Washington, D.C., at the corner of East Capitol Street next to the house. Did you hear today, Jim, how many people showed up for the protest? No. None. Zero. Oh. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm laughing. I Nobody <laughs> showed. Nobody showed. Um and so the American people during the summer were visited by their politicians, and they clearly told, we don't want to waste the time, the effort, and the money. Mueller's out. He didn't do anything. Move on. No impeachment. But today we hear that Nadler, who's been told by AOC, another rookie who's trying to control the House, that if he doesn't bring out a bill of impeachment, she's going to have somebody primary challenge him to get rid of him. So she's threatening the chairman of the House Judiciary Committee that if he doesn't bring out a bill of impeachment. The problem that, that happens, and in order for a bill of impeachment to pass the House to create the trial, the House has to get 218 votes in order to pass it. The last number that I saw when there were any votes dealing with him, the possibility of impeachment, the Democrats had 95 votes. Now, Nancy Pelosi believes that it's a bad thing for us, the Democrats, to try and impeach the president. And that's why she's been stalling, 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 because when you do a bill of impeachment vote, then all the Democratic and Republican congressmen have to go on the public record as to whether or not they are in favor of impeachment. When they do that, if the majority of the American people do not want impeachment, 
And Nadler said over the weekend that if there was a vote for impeachment, he didn't expect the, the process to be completed until after Christmas in January of 2020. So there's probably no time for a trial before the presidential elections. Nancy Pelosi is very concerned that that issuing a bill of impeachment by the House is not going to get through the Senate. But her greater fear, IQ, is that they don't have 218 votes to pass a bill of impeachment to even create a trial. And if they can't muster 218 votes to impeach the president, then they have wasted an enormous amount of time, energy, and effort to accomplish nothing. Because once the vote is taken, and the vote is not 218 in favor, it's over. There's no other opportunity for the Democrats. And Nancy Pelosi is saying to them, don't do this. Don't do it. But apparently she was under tremendous pressure during the summer recess, and, and she's agreed to let it let the inquiry proceed. So it's, it, it, it's really a situation where they're desperate. If they don't have try to get a bill of impeachment, then their radical base is going to abandon them, and that means nobody from the Democratic Party has a chance at the presidency, regardless of who it is. If they vote and they don't have enough to even get a bill of impeachment, I'm not even sure they got the votes to get it out of committee, which would be an even greater disaster that they didn't have enough votes to get it out of the committee. Take 57 votes to get it out of the Judiciary Committee in the House. Um, so the, the point being is that there's a tremendous amount of political risk involved here, and the sacrifice is that of the Democratic Party. And yet they are so arrogant, they don't really care. Yeah, but correct me if I'm wrong. On what basis, on what crime did he commit to be impeached? I want to know. I mean, when somebody goes to the, in a process to impeach a president, he should have committed something egregious. What did Trump commit that they are going to go after? Well, that that's a good, that's a good question. See, um, part of the problem, IQ, is that most Americans don't understand the impeachment process. The impeachment process is that the House has to issue a bill of impeachment with what they believe are charges of high crimes and misdemeanor. Doesn't say, IQ, that the president has actually done what they say, but they create high crimes and misdemeanors, charges, which then go to the floor of the House to pass for a bill of impeachment. It is that process that most people think that the president is impeached. It's not. The next part of the constitutional process is the House, what are called managers, are the prosecutors that have to go in front of the Senate, which is the jury, and prove their case that, in fact, the president has committed high crimes and misdemeanors. And the president is allowed to have defense attorney, against defense attorneys, to defend his position or challenge those. And so we've never had a president impeached, meaning removed from office, there have been two impeachment trials, 
and one resignation, but there's been no president ever been impeached. So what the Democrats are saying, IQ, is that they are fulfilling their promises to their constituents to try and impeach the president by passing a bill of impeachment. I suspect that the vast majority and understand that under the rules of the Constitution, two-thirds of the Senate must vote to remove the president from office. Two-thirds. Well, the Democrats do not control two-thirds of the Senate, and so they would have to get they would have to get all the Democrats and a substantial portion of the Republicans to agree. So that I believe that the that the intelligent Democrats realize that they have no chance to pass a bill of impeachment in the Senate. But it's not important whether they pass it in the Senate or not, is that they've been honorable to their constituents by bringing a bill of impeachment. The president, and again, we have in a constitution a right that says you are innocent until proven guilty. They can charge the president under the bill of impeachment for for committing what they believe to be high crimes and misdemeanors, but it's the House's responsibility, the managers of the House, to prove to the jury, the Senate, that what they're saying is true. Well, you know, okay, I'm the outsider looking in, and I've, I'm listening to you, I understand fully what the procedure is. And I appreciate it, especially if you, when you said that the president has his own lawyers to protect yes. the accusations. Right. The chances of passing anything like that is zero. And I'm looking from the outside. It's zero. To to impeach him, they have to prove, as you said, he's done something egregious. Miller, he didn't do it. The whole of the report of Miller says he's innocent. So, well, yeah, okay. So, they want to self-destruct. Good luck to them. No, honestly. Good luck to them. Anybody so the Democrats, the Democrats believe that the that the the most important thing that they believe they have working for them is what is called obstruction of justice, and the Democrats believe that because Donald Trump fired James Comey, he was participating in obstruction of justice and interfering with the Mueller investigation. It is not important to them whether or not Mueller found anything or not. It's the process was interrupted because he fired. However, the Constitution clearly gives the president the power to fire the attorney general and virtually anybody else on the executive branch. But they're hanging their hat on that. The high, and, and so if, if there were to be a bill of impeachment, it's not going to be a laundry list of things, IQ. It's going to be one or two issues. And one of the two issues, I believe, will be obstruction of justice for the firing of James Comey. But he has every right to fire him. Other presidents did the same thing to the previous uh, attorney generals. And Donald, what's his name? Obama did the same thing to the people who were before him. So that, that's, that's, that's there's no that's, in this case. As I said, yeah. under the under the impeachment process, the president 
can be charged, but the president is assumed to be innocent until proven guilty. It's the responsibility of the House managers to prove their charges, their one, two, or three charges, are measure up to high crimes and misdemeanors for the Senate jury to convict him. And and uh, I, I don't see anything there that would elevate itself to the level of high crimes and misdemeanors. But that doesn't mean, IQ, that they cannot issue a bill of impeachment and charge him. I understood you 100%. I understood you. I mean, what, what I find repulsive about the whole thing is throughout the last three years, the Democrats always accused some of the, the supporters of Donald Trump, accused them without proof of being guilty, which is contrary to the system of justice where everybody is innocent until put on trial and proven beyond a shadow of a doubt that he's guilty. Right. So that the process is continuing with the president. This deplorable behavior that they can accuse anybody of a number of crimes of 40 years ago or 30 years ago and big witnesses who are completely utterly unreliable is not justice anymore. But anyway, good luck to them. I wish them well. And thank you so much for explaining it, not only to me, but all to the listeners of your program. Yeah, I, I think there's a lot of people that still don't understand the process, IQ. And, but, um, it is, but it is simple. I mean, you just explained it in 10, 15 minutes. I mean, well, hopefully, hopefully I did. But it, <laughs> it's, it's, it's important under the, the people because when, when the Democrats say we're going to impeach the president, what, what has always concerned me, IQ, is that the American people think if the House impeaches the president, that they will remove him office. And, and that's not true. And the news media... The mainstream media has not done a very good job, if no job, in explaining or saying that, okay, but that there's a second part of this process. They're not talking about the, the trial because they understand that the likelihood of getting a two-thirds conviction on any kind of charge is going to be near impossible, at least at the moment. And, and the other thing is there's a timing issue. Um, and I know we only got a few minutes, but... But here's the timing issue. The Democrats are thinking about a bill of impeachment in the face of the U.S. attorney from Utah, the U.S. attorney from, from Connecticut, and the attorney general, and also the inspector general of the Justice Department, all issuing additional reports on the FISA abuse, warrant, warrant abuse, uh, Hillary's uh, email situation, her play-for-play -play with the Clinton Foundation, and what other individuals uh, within the Justice and the uh, Treasury Department, uh, Justice and um, FBI, violated the law. So here's the the issue: is you've got you've got the Democrats thinking about issuing a, a bill of impeachment for Donald Trump in the face of four probably blockbuster major negative reports 
against the way the administration behaved in trying to create a coup, which would be devastating to the Democratic Party. And what are they? What happens to this bill of impeachment? Maybe the bill of impeachment goes to uh, those people in the in the Obama administration. So uh, I think this is one of the reasons why Nancy's been trying to slow this down is because we don't know what's going to happen in the other reports coming out could be devastating. And it becomes difficult because the focus moves away from the impeachment of the president to the arrest and conviction of former former Obama officials. Um, but I, uh, if I might, Jim, give you um, what I call the quote of the weekend. Okay? Okay, go ahead. Go ahead. We're waiting, my friend. This quote was given by Joe Biden. And this is the quote. Quote, Hell yes, I'll import, I will appoint Obama to the Supreme Court. End of quote. Yeah, and I'm listening to that, and I'm saying, wait a minute. Being very practical about it, Jim. Why would Obama want to take a pay cut? <laughs> Number one. Number two. He has no judicial record to send before the Senate Judiciary Committee. And what would possess Barack Obama to want to sit in front of the Republicans on the Judiciary Committee and have his ass handed to him about all the things that he did wrong and resign or withdraw his name? He is not going to do that. So Joe Biden was clearly over the weekend still continuing to pander to the black vote. Yeah, hell yes, I would appoint Obama <laughs> to the Supreme Court. I don't honestly believe, you remember I said it on your program, when Joe Biden said he's going to go for the presidency, I said he's going to commit suicide. I, I think, I still think there's a possibility, uh, uh, even though all the gaps and everything else that he's doing, there's such a huge gap, gap, excuse me, gap, there's gaps too, but a huge gap <laughs> between, between Joe Biden and the rest of the Democrats that... Um, he could limp into the convention and wind up being the candidate. Although, if Hillary escapes all of these four reports that I talked to you about, she could be the compromised president, presidential candidate for a third time to try. But, but I think if Joe Biden is the is the nominee for the Democratic Party, and I did this last week, Jim, so many times. People were asking me, so what do you think about 2020? I said, if Joe Biden is the nominee for the Democratic Party, it will be 48 to 2. That's a heck of a deal. Well, as we wrap up here, uh, IQ, how do we get a hold of you online, my friend? Just Google my name, Al-Rasuli, A-L-R-A-S-S-O-L-I. And thank you for a lovely chat show today. Yes, yes. And Dan, bring us up to speed on everything you're involved in. I would